Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined this week on the show by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? I'm really well, Corinne, and it's an opportune moment to have you on because it's all about transitions at the moment. And I know you and I have both been working with clients who are, you know, thinking forward to this. We're coming out of lockdown. You know, the world's kind of changing again. So what does it look like and how can we be proactive, you know, in setting the scene and setting ourselves up for success? You know, so I know you've been uh, working with clients on that, you know, and, and helping them through as a I. And so I guess what would be interesting for our listeners, you know, is just to start that thinking of what are some of those conversations? What are some of the things clients are talking and thinking about as we move into this next phase? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's a good time to talk about this, Dom. And I think, you know, what I'm seeing in the marketplace through our client size is that some organisations are well progressed down the road. So they've had Mm. the conversation, they've determined their approach. There are other organisations that kind of have an idea, but they're still not quite sure. And you've got other organisations that have really just been focusing on continuing to get the business going. And so they haven't really had an opportunity to think through. And I think if we we put it into context, we've been in and out of lockdown, most of us, for the past two years. And so what lockdown taught us was that it was entirely possible Hmm. to migrate everybody at scale from a physical building office space to work completely remotely from home. And for most organisations, I think everybody, kind of the world was a bit blown away by how well that worked. And we've, as a result, there's been a proliferation of remote working virtual tools, which is all great. Uh And then for us in Australia, we came out of lockdown, life started to resume somewhat normal pace. And then bang, we're in lockdown in New South Wales, we're were locked down for the longest time. So we're back at a position where organisations need to think about how do we move forward, you know, because what we have now that we didn't have last time was didn't have a vaccine, we didn't have, we're a lot more progressed in terms of understanding the virus. So questions for organisation right now is what's our approach? How do we bring people from the workplace? And of course, what I'm hearing a lot of clients say is they've they've got a they're wanting to strike a balance. So they're finding that their people don't want to be a hundred percent at home and they don't want to be a hundred percent in the office. And so the challenge is really finding the approach that will be a mutual win-win and ensure that the, you know the organization is able to deliver its objectives. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's this you know, hybrid ways of working, which is kind of a, a, a new transition because we went from completely at work or, you know, generally completely at work to completely outside of work. So actually, this is kind of a third way that a lot of organizations are talking about. And look, that may not be the case actually for all organizations. Some might say they want 
everyone in or we're going to go all remote or whatever. But it seems to be the one that's favored the most at the moment is this like, well, maybe we can do three days in, two days out or you know, mm, whatever that mix mm. may be. That's Yeah, and that's a really common one where organizations are seeming to the three, two workday. But look, I think every organization is going to be different. Mm. And the most important thing for organizations right now, if you haven't already started the conversation, is to start to have the conversation around your approach and, you know, how are you going to bring business people back and how is that work kind of ratio in terms of what work gets done where, at what time, is it alone or together, is going to be really important. And typically what we've seen is that organisations are going to look at either needs, it's always needs-based in terms of the organisation, that seems to be the number one criteria that the whatever that ratio is that it continues to meet to enable people to do the requirements of their job and also to meet the business needs. The second criteria or approach will be allocated days. And what we're seeing there is organisations are either saying we'd like everybody to be in on these days and Mm -hmm. usually what I'm finding is it's team-based. So it's not necessarily the whole organisation saying all 1,500 people will have to be in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What we're seeing more of is business units and teams agreeing what days they will be connecting. And so allocated days, not necessarily mandatory days, but allowing leaders and their team members to have some flexibility in deciding what those are. Uh. I guess the third approach is mandating, you know, and I think that I don't know of too many clients that I've been working with that have mandated. I think the areas where there's mandating is usually you know, essential work, work that can only be done in a particular way and it has to be done in that way. It has to be in person or something. Yeah. Yeah. Certain jobs are, right? I think the the first start at an organisational level, because what we're talking about, Dom, is really the transition, aren't we? The transitioning back. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, so, and what I was hearing uh, and what you're saying was really about being intentional. Yeah. About it because- you know, stuff like this, there's a chance where it just happens. Yeah. And whatever happens kind of happens. Yeah. You know, and we get what we end up with. But there's an opportunity right now to start that conversation and be intentional about how do we Mm. set ourselves up for success Mm. in this new world? Because you could see a situation where it's not set up in the optimal kind of way. Mm. You know, that could easily happen for a lot of organizations because it just plays out. You know, it's kind of that old are you in charge of your culture or is your culture in charge of you? You know, it's the same thing. It's about being deliberate. I um, think and conscious, yeah. And conscious. Uh, there's one organisation I know that did allow sort of complete freedom. Everybody could just do what they want. And they've actually had to walk that back because, and it's not even the organisation necessarily that walked that back. It was the team members and the teams that walked huh. that back because they were finding that it didn't really work, that it was difficult to team do some of the collaborating, the kind of incidental learning that happens when you're just in the room together. So that was kind of interesting that what's coming, what's emerging, I think, in the marketplace is really a balance of modes, a balance of being in the same place together, working on, you know, collaborating versus kind of working together and apart. So we're on a 
virtual team meeting or working together and alone or working alone, you know, and, and you and I were talking about this before. So if I was to give an example of those four modes, I would say that if you've got to write a report and it's pretty intense, it might be better for you to be working apart and on your own. Uh-huh. If you're writing part of a group that's writing for a tender or making a pitch, you might want to be working alone but in the same place so that you can bounce off each other when you need right. to. ask ideas. Ask yeah. for ideas, you know, ask for, you know, knowledge and experience so uh-huh. it's all there uh-huh. immediately uh-huh. located. If you're designing something completely new and it has to be, it affects maybe five business units or departments, that might be something that you want to collaborate on. So when I mean collaborate, I don't mean cooperate. I mean collaborate is actually people coming together to completely, you know, design in the design and the development phase, something new, okay, or something Mm. different. Mm. And so for that, you can really leverage the energy of people in, in the group in the same room. You can always also do that virtually. There's no doubt about that. But the point is that organizations and teams need to talk about intentionally when we would come together to do that in the physical location and when it would be okay or good to do it virtually. And I think the fourth mode was we're together, but we're in different places, so we're remotely. So we're that might be a, a team call meeting or whatever. Yeah, it's a Zoom call for a, a team meeting where it's tactical issues. Check in. It's a check in. It's a bit of a you know a huddle. You just well, yeah, mm-hmm. you're ticking. It's routine. It's simple. You know, it's really an interesting topic. You know, what works best where? That's a bit of a tongue twister, wasn't it? <laughs> but having a discussion about that in the team, you know, and what I was kind of hearing you say is that kind of creative problem solving, design, reaching decisions and agreement tend Mm. to work better in real time. So Mm. at least like we're all at the same time talking about stuff and we're saying maybe even more in person. You know, it's it's interesting. Like I've seen research where, yeah, different modes are better for different things. Like for brainstorming, sometimes synchronized but remote can be better. We're just all typing up ideas onto the the virtual whiteboard or in the chat or whatever because we can all contribute ideas at the same time. I mean, I guess it's kind of like a digital version of writing the post-it notes on the wall, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, and I think the important thing is this kind of issue, it was interesting because somebody said to me, what's the best practice? Mm. I said, well, here's the thing with best practice. Best practice works when there's one correct answer. Mm. Okay, this isn't it. There are going to be great, good and great practices here. So there's going to be multiple possibilities and you and I don't have to know what the best answer is because there won't be one single best answer. Each organization, this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity for organizations, their leaders and their teams is to use this as a way to bring people together to come up and align around what the best way forward is. And of course, what I love about that is that it's really empowering people and it's involving them in decisions that affect them, which is a really important part of building and shaping your culture. On that though, Corinne, if we're bringing people in to decide how to do this, I can foresee somebody is going to freak out. Like what if they ask for, you know, yeah. like whatever they ask for the world, right? Yeah. Because you kind of open yourself up yeah. for that, you know, like if, oh, if we go and ask people, they might ask for something we don't want to give them. 
So yeah. like, how do you manage that? How do you yeah. navigate that? So I think if I backtrack, so the first thing I think in terms of transition is to start the conversation. The leadership has to start the conversation and start to look at different examples of what's happening in the world mm. and have a conversation about what might be the right approach. Okay. Now, sometimes I think what happens with that approach is we start to make a policy. Okay. We're going to say this without actually thinking about why we're doing that. Okay. Mm. Why is it this policy? So I think discuss the approach first, look at the marketplace, look at the community and look at what other organizations are doing and try and get different examples. This is the point at which you want to generate different options and explore them before you would arrive. And here what you're doing is just arriving at the approach. The second thing that we're seeing work really well is to involve employees. And so this comes to your question, Dom, around what happens if we say, what do you think, employees? And everybody says, oh, we want to work 100% from home. Never coming back. Mm -hmm. We're never coming back. And I think that's a a real fear for some organisations because in some instances they've asked people and people, you know, a significant proportion of the the survey might say they don't want to come back or they don't want to come back, you know, 100%. So I think I don't think you can deal with that if you're going to pretend that that's not so. So I think that yeah, it still exists, whether you it, it still exists, right? It's still going to be there. Mm. Uh, it just means that you've ignored it. And so what happens there is people kind of go underground. Mm. So I think the question becomes: How do you have a sensible, constructive conversation around what's important? And the anchor point is: What are we here for? And you know, what do we have to deliver? Or achieve together? And how is that best delivered? So for employees who who want to, you know, maybe they prefer to work from home, the question is really, you know, what is the best way for me to meet the requirements of the role? And that is something that the organization ought to have a say in, in terms of because the organization's responsible for ultimately meeting the stakeholder or the customer needs. Mm. But I think a good I think it's about being honest and saying, look, as an organisation, and also so on the one hand, I think the organisation needs to be honest and constructive in what are the non-negotiables if there are non-negotiables and yep. make that clear because that gives you the boundary, that gives you our map of what we are asking you to input on. So we're not necessarily asking you to give us your wish list we're asking you to help us implement yes. what the ratio, you know, the ratio of the best way. So I think the involvement in employees, you're not handing over the decision-making, you're asking them to work with you to find a way forward that's mutually beneficial. Mm. Mm. You know, so I think that's that's the key. And so it includes acknowledging the limitations and includes yeah, acknowledging the potential risks or trade-offs or whatever. Yeah. Like, hey, we need to, like, we're open for ideas, but we've got to meet these objectives, yeah, whatever they might be for the organisation. The objective might be, you know, and and the frame might be, while we've worked 100% from home and we've done it quite well and we've learnt a lot, it's not going to be 100% working from home all the time because on the, there's a plus side and there's a negative side. On the negative side, there are a lot of people who feel excluded, who feel that they're not able to get their work done as well, who are feeling um, out of touch 
with other networks in the organisation. So there's a balance that employees need to make. So I think if you think carefully, I think the key to having a great, not so much consultation, but the, the key to having great employee involvement sessions is you're really clear about what you're doing by inviting them in mm. and what you're asking them for. Mm. Now, you've got to be really clear if you're not asking them to help you make a decision about what we're going to do, you know, to say that, you know, because I think that people can appreciate by and large that the organisation operates within constraints. Yes. So I think it's about being clear about what those constraints are and not pretending that they're not there. And so the question could be, how do we make this work in the best way possible? Correct. Whatever or how do we is. make this work? This is our, our non-negotiables. These are our constraints. This is what we can be flexible on. So we're interested in your thoughts on this. Mm. You know? mm. And so I think by and large, you know, not everybody's going to be happy with that. But I think by and large, if you're honest with people and you explain that they will understand it, you know. You know what people are less happy about? When you're like, it's a free flow idea session and <laughs> we're not doing any of that. <laughs> you know, rein it back in. You know, that's, that's worse, right? right? Because yeah, it's like, oh, man, exactly I got all right. excited on that. Yeah, if you've given people the impression that they're going to have more decision-making power than they do, do. Mm-hmm. then that's, you know, they feel duped if you kind of say, oh, that's a great idea, pity we can't do it. <laughs> you know, like you can't do Here's that. Here's the plan we already had before we started the session. Now, what we'd really like you to do is to validate it. Hey, I'm, um, I'm interested, Karim, because I know you've run sessions with clients mm. having exactly these conversations, mm. right? How are we going to navigate it? What mm. does it look like for us? What does it mm. mean for us? Just, I guess I'm just curious because we're talking about all these fears leaders have, but mm. how have those conversations actually ended up? Mm. Well, look, on the whole, they're really positive because a lot of thought has gone into what we're asking people and being honest about and acknowledging that it's not a, a one-size-fits-all, but somehow that's the duty, that's what the organisational leaders and the organisation, that's what they have to find is something that is workable for this incredible diversity of, you know, people who work for them. So they've been really positive because I think of that honesty mm. and because of that framing because mm. once you've taken once you've made it clear what the boundaries are, people are clear about where they need to focus their energy. And I think ultimately that's what people want to know, you know, is what are you asking me? What can, what I can't do? And then once that's done, they can invest their energy and time in a way that will actually make a difference and they'll be able to see that it made a difference. Mm. You know, and what I've seen at least is people actually come out with some fairly reasonable conclusions and takeouts and actions and stuff like i, I haven't so. seen it where it's like been way out there of like no that's it we're all moving to yeah. you know and i think Southeast one of the Asia things is, and yeah living absolutely. on the beach oh, is that i've got something to somewhere? propose later uh, <laughs> to you. Um, so i think i agree i think you know sometimes employees get really worried about this but you know most of the time you get really sensible doable, actionable ideas and sometimes really creative ones that do operate within the constraints. And how fantastic Mm. is that Mm. when you kind of realise, oh, wow, we hadn't thought of that and that can actually work and then the employees get the feedback that that's going to be implemented, Mm. they get a payback in terms of your effort and your voice made a difference 
So the reason I'm I'm kind of really an advocate for this is that if you want to continue to build and set your culture up for success, these high-performing norms, showing people how their effort makes a difference is growing achievement. And this is one area where you can involve them and you can do it pretty inexpensively as well because where, you know, you can use the virtual medium to do this. That leads me to a question for you, Corinne, which is what's the deal with culture in a hybrid environment? You know, like, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did panel earlier this year in, Oct- in August with some fantastic chief people and cultural officers. So we had um, Mary Lamonis from REA Group. We had Morgana Waters from QBE. And we had Sandy Blackburn from Haynes Group. Mm. And so the topic was evolution or revolution mm-hmm. in, of culture, you know, and it was really interesting what came out of it. So one of the things that I I guess I, I learned and occurred to me through that panel is that culture doesn't live in the building. You know, so there are a lot of I've had a few clients say to me, you know, can you come and talk to our leaders? Because we've still got some leaders who feel that everybody's got to be together a hundred percent of the time, co-located in order for our culture to thrive and to continue. So these are the leaders where the cultures they feel the culture's really working well. So what was really interesting about that is Mary told a story where they had 50 new starters that started in lockdown. Uh They'd never been in the building and their experience, the measure of these new starters. Now, just let me say, it's not uncommon for there to be kind of a honeymoon phase with new starters, but all of these new starters had this incredible constructive experience of the culture and the culture that people who, you know, constructive, they have constructive culture, people who were there who are experiencing constructive culture, it's very similar. So that said to me that the secret source isn't about being in the same place. You know, it's not about being in the same building. The secret source is around being clear on who we are, why we exist, why that matters and what's important having leaders that role model it virtually or face-to-face. It's not Uh about the medium. Uh It's about regular connection points with your people. And one of the things that the advantages that came out of the lockdown situation was the amount of town halls. So suddenly you had leaders at scale. You know, you didn't have to bring everybody in from all the states of the country and make this great big physical event. Suddenly leaders could be beamed out. You know, so that was a, a big advantage. Uh, but it wasn't the fact that they were at scale. It was the fact that they were talking to their people regularly that right. actually makes the difference. Right. So I think that was a big a big kind of aha in the sense that, you know, we don't have to be in the same place in order to feel connected or in order to feel that we're connected as a cultural community. So 100% agree with all of that. And, you know, going back to maybe our word of the podcast is, what I've seen at least is in this online hybrid world is we just have to be a bit more deliberate about it because we talked earlier about how you kind of absorb stuff through osmosis. You know, stuff happens around us. You know, we experience it, we overhear it, we see it, we have the conversations. That's not always so, you know, it doesn't always happen in an online world. So it just means how do we be more deliberate maybe? Just think about it a bit more about how are we building these relationships? How are we reinforcing the messages of what's important around here 
And thinking about that, and 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 you made me think with the fifty on you know new starts on borders yeah. during COVID, which is interesting, and that will be a transition too for teams because I'm like I was talking to someone the other day who'd been in a company for six months, never been in the office, but when they did go in, it was like they were a new starter because yeah. they they actually yeah. they only knew the people they kind of worked with directly because that's who you kind of call yeah. on teams or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, in the office, there's all those other people who maybe yeah. don't work directly with them, but you get to know them because they're in yeah. the team next door or whatever. And so suddenly they were like the new person again, even though they had actually been there for quite some time. Yeah. But they didn't know people. They didn't know, where, you know, where do you get the stapler? Like, you know, whatever, yeah. just that practical stuff. Yeah. But they can be kind of forgotten because to the team, it's like, oh, no, Corinne's been around for a while. Yeah. She's good to go. You just know, part of the furniture. But, yeah, so that brings up the whole second onboarding you know, in terms of mm. remembering that if somebody started during lockdown, they may not have been to the building at all and mm. they may not know the procedure coming into reception, for example, because they've, they've bypassed that in a virtual world Yes, yeah. go straight into the meeting. Yeah. I also think you said something there that triggered me. So for the organisation, decide your approach, have the conversation, involve employees. But the other thing is I think you and I talked about this a bit earlier, is match the task to the space and to the when. And, um, you know, the other thing is if you're in an organisation and you're finding that people are saying that they want to work more from home, you know, some of the things that we're seeing that almost we haven't realised we're missing it until mm. you you go in is that incidental knowledge sharing that happens through bumping into people. Mm. you know, and at the coffee shop or waiting for the meeting room. Uh So I find that the feedback we've had is that the virtual world's very actually functional and very task-oriented. You can make it social, but you have to deliberately decide that you're going to have a virtual drinks afternoon or you're going to have a virtual trivia Mm. game, you know. And if I'm honest, it's not the same as being in person, (laughs) let's be real. But yes, I hear you. We might be missing a trick, Dom. <laughs> we might have to learn. So I think that, but it's it's quite explicit. It's almost like you've got to schedule it. Okay? Yes. But one of the some of the research that's come out is that when you are physically located together, sometimes just seeing someone bumping into them will spark off. Oh, I forgot to tell you about this. You know, and so sometimes that collision moments. And I think also learning on the job, shadowing someone, watching people in action, because mm-hmm. there's a felt sense that happens with people in a room, you know, and there's some mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. can be communicated that don't have to be communicated when you're all in the same room because it's self-evident, but you do have to be explicit about it on a virtual medium. Yes. So I think if you're worried that you've got some, you know, employees who kind of more wanting to stay at home. I think, you know, what you've got to do is look at the reason to come in, you know, that what, what, what is, what's the why for bringing people together? What's the value in it? You know, interestingly, I was talking to somebody who um, was in their 20s and they were saying that for them and their friends, they want to go back into the office because it's part of them building social connections and new friends and you know, hanging out with people. So it's been really interesting to have this phenomena of lockdown and then listen to what people are missing about 
not being in the office and what they've what's worked for them and what doesn't work. It, it's interesting because I've read headlines kind of the other way that Gen Z doesn't want to go back to the office; they want to work remote forever. And to your point earlier, you know, I think about when I was younger, you know, staying your job. How much do you learn just through osmosis? You know, just by overhearing conversations or whatever you get involved in conversations that are just going on around you like so much stuff i reckon so mm. you know to our younger listeners if you are listening i reckon you're missing a trick if you're at home yeah. the whole time personally but interesting as you say there's also that social aspect so maybe a whole lot of young people actually i oh, really want to go to the office because i know i used to you know particularly in my early jobs that was a big part of it it was kind yeah. of a social thing i had tons of friends at work and stuff I like think, that so i think that you know, and that's part of what we try and with organisations and culture. You don't, you know, nobody, it's not that you want everybody to be best friends, but there is this kind of kinship, this community mm-hmm. where people enjoy being together in the office. So I think it's about, if you're concerned about that, it's about really looking at what is the opportunity for being co-located. And I think that the key to getting a good result, a kind of, you know, a mutual win is to have these conversations and alignment, not be afraid of having the conversations because really what you're doing is surfacing any issues that might otherwise be acting out if you didn't get people to raise them. Mm. So I think that that's really important. But, you know, we were talking, Dom, earlier that there's a transition that organisations have to make and then on the other side there's transitions that teams need to make and there's a transition that the individuals need totally. to make as well. Before we move to individual, just one last thought on teams because it's it was just kind of in my mind was right now we're all remote or you know typically everyone's remote. One thing just to have the conversation about in your team is what about when we're hybrid? Mm. How do we do things? All right? If we're having a meeting, do five of us get in the meeting room and three of us are online? Like how does that work? And the reason I bring that up is because as a consultant in my world, hybrid is the worst. <laughs> I hate doing workshops when they're hybrid. Either let's all be in the room or be all be online because it's really difficult as a, just as a facilitator to work with groups that are, are split because the conversation's just different, right? Either either the people online are the most important or the least important people in the room. It kind of goes mm. <laughs> one or two ways, you know? They either get forgotten about or it's all about them. I don't think you're alone, Dom. I think there's some research to show that it is very difficult if you've got three or four people in a, physically in a room and you've got one person or two people mm. online. Mm. Sometimes there are these people don't necessarily pick up the conversation. They can't hear everybody equally as well. Mm-hmm. If you're beaming in, sometimes, you know, you feel there's been some um, experience showing that people don't feel seen because mm-hmm. The conversation goes on around them and so nobody notices that they've got their hand up or they miss a bit of the conversation or the conversation in the physical room between the people who are there travel so quickly that they miss the moment by the time they've been able to get in there. So I agree. I think there's a bit of research that's showing, you know, all in or all out mm. that hybrid doesn't tend to work as well. Mind you, Depends it's going to be a reality for. that it will happen. Mm. You know, you will have, I was in a meeting the other day that worked really well. Three of us were out and three of us were in. But I think part of the opportunity for thinking about this deliberately is thinking, when does that happen? When does it work? 
And my guess is it's going to work when you're on a routine task or a kind of a tactical right, task. Right, yeah. yeah. If it's a deep discussion that's required, if it's something a bit contentious, if it's something that, you know, involves some debate or there's some conflict, I think it's very hard to do that well hybrid. Mm. So that, there you go. There's something to discuss in your team. You shattered it before then. What about for the individual? You know, mm. we're talking about the organization, the team. What about for the individual? Because I'm thinking back, Corinne, when lockdown first happened, I remember doing podcasts where it's like, you know, how do we maintain our mental health during COVID? You know, like how do we navigate this new online world, all that kind of stuff? How do you look out for yourself? I wonder that because it, it, it feels like, oh, we're getting back to normal. Woohoo. Like it's awesome. We're stoked, right? But are there also, you know, it's also a transition. So I guess I'm just wondering, you know, is there stuff we should be aware of or thinking of in order to, you know, also maintain our mental health and whatnot through this? Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, one of the things that we talked about when COVID happened was for people to come up with a routine or a bit of a rhythm Mm. for their own life. And Mm. so one of the things that I've been thinking about is to think about almost draw a continuum between sort of what significantly changed from when I was working 100% in the office to 100% of home. So what is it about my life that has changed as a result of working from home and almost build that continuum from the things that have significantly changed right down to where there's no change? Because for me, and I think for others, you, you know, one of the adjustments I'm going to have to make is all the things that I have been able to do because I'm not commuting that I enjoy, like having a swim before I go to work, Uh I'm going to have to work out, can I do that? Uh Okay. Or how do I do that in a world where I might have to wake up early and commute? So I think one of the things is invest a little bit of time, hit the pause button, take some time away and think about your life in, you know, working from home and think about all the things that are very different, everything that's very different that you enjoy and that you want to preserve going forward because you're going to have a look at your new routine to look at how you accommodate it. So in fact, you need to don't assume that you're just going to click into the old routine pre-COVID. This is an opportunity to really revisit how your kind of life model and your, you know, practice of how you live your life and, and to kind of look at it a bit differently. Totally relate to it. You know, like uh, I think we've found a rhythm that works for us, you know, for me and my family and in lockdown, you know, like this works. It's actually, you know, pretty good in lots of ways. And I'm excited to get out, but it means, you know, I'm traveling again, or both my wife and I both traveling again, you know, going to client sites, doing all this stuff. It has impacts, you know? Mm. And so I guess it's just that, as you say, hit the big pause button and just think about, okay, how, how are we going to navigate this as a family? Yeah. You know, how are we going to navigate this? That. Yeah. So changes uh, for me, changes for my family, uh-huh. you know, so the me's around health, well-being and ability to, to be efficient and effective and what about my kids and what about my, my wife or my partner or my husband and, you know, my family system because some of us have parents that we look after as right, well or extended right. family. Totally. So really taking kind of a systemic view where you're in the middle and you're looking at how have things changed, what's improved as a result, and what will it be good to do differently 
But make a conscious decision, you know, in developing the routine around how you, what's the optimal condition of the routine for you and talk to your family about it, you know, get them involved, help them help you. Awesome. It's a great note to end on, Corinne. My takeaways from this have been, there's a couple of key words that really jump out at me. One, or one thought is start the conversation now. So whether that's, you know, as an organization, let's start the conversation about, you know, what are we going to do? In the future, what is important to us? What are the non-negotiables? Where is the flexibility? All that kind of stuff. Start the conversation. Same with our team. Start the yeah. conversation our team. How are we going to navigate it? And for ourselves, you know, whack the big pause button and start the conversation with yourself and your family or, you know, whoever's around your life. What does it mean for us? Mm. You know, like let's put a bit of a thought and a plan in place so we can be deliberate in how we go about it. You know, so yeah. it doesn't just happen, you know, whatever happens, happens, but uh, we actually want to make some choices about how we want to do this stuff. Mm. So those are kind of two key words that I had, but it was also about, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say one thing that we didn't talk about and just there are going to be some people listening who really don't feel like they want to do go back, you know, and they're unhappy <laughs> about it. And I just want to say that that's a choice, okay? So how you, what I mean is, the way that you see it is your choice to see it that way. And so if you live in the world of deficit, you're only ever going to find all the things wrong with having to do it, okay? And so this is really about finding a way to switch to what can you be, you know, grateful for, where is your effort going to make a difference, what is it that you can look forward to. So it's actually flipping that switch if you're in a situation, to be careful not to get stuck because the way that you're perceiving it is in a negative way. So mm. it's, it's, I think it's mm. okay to feel that. And if you're not able to change it, then you need to look at how you can work with it. Yes. Yeah. Great, great reminder, you know, for everyone, it's, it's the situation plus thinking equals response, right? How do we view it? shameless plug for us then just to finish you know we talked about <laughs> we talked about how you know we've, we've been running these kinds of workshops and, and discussions with clients so if you and your organization or team for that matter want to start that conversation but want a bit of support doing it you know reach out and we're happy to come in and, and work with you and to have those you know because i think it's it's such Love a crucial you. such a crucial transition period for so many companies let's set ourselves up for success and do it right yeah fantastic all right, that was enough of a shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Grant. Thanks all for right. uh, your time this week. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.